You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 291. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this podcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra presence to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Audible is the way to listen to your books the way you listen to your podcasts. Personally, this year, I've listened to far more Audible than I have doing any written or, you know, reading any copies or Kindle books. I've just been really into the listening to them. It's so easy on the go, and I have a new recommendation for you as well. If you have loved Abraham and you love the channeled aspects of Esther and Abraham Hicks, but you are looking towards that turquoise stage of spiral dynamics, realization, enlightenment, season five, Jess, all that kind of stuff. If you're liking this stuff, I have a new group of guides and a new channel for you. It is Paul Selig and his channel texts. There's probably about five or six of them. I've downloaded to what I knowledge is of all of the ones they have on Audible. There's so many of them. I think I just finished the last one being The Book of Knowing and Worth by Paul Selig or a channel text by Paul Selig. And I highly recommend going over to Audible if you haven't checked out Paul Selig and you're interested in the season five topics we're discussing here on the show. This is definitely my next recommended channeled works to teach and speak around the subject of enlightenment, realization, and going beyond the mind. Start a free 30-day trial and your first audiobook is free. Go over to audible.com slash lively or text lively to 500-500. Again, this is for Audible. It's a great way for you to listen to any books, whether they're channeled or not. You can even get The Power of Now, which is one of my very beloved turquoise Beyond the Mind books as well. And Eckhart Tolle delivers the content in his own voice. So that's also a great way to center yourself and stay present as well. Again, go over to audible.com slash lively or text the code lively to 500-500 to start your 30-day trial and get that free audiobook. All right, so in addition, this episode is also brought to you by Four Sigmatic, my favorite mocha of choice. The superfoods built in make it awesome since I'm drinking two to four of these puppies a day. They have half that caffeine, no stomach issues, no crash. So they're just the best. They're so delicious. I love the mocha one. So if you guys go get it, it's the green label. That's the one with the chaga mushrooms, which medical medium on a totally different side note says is really good for things like the stuff I've been dealing with around my acne. Although I don't know that he'd love the caffeine. I love that I'm getting at least some chaga mushrooms and superfoods built into what I enjoy so very, very much. They also have so many other superfood elixirs and teas and coffees and so forth that are all built in with these extra benefit boosting ingredients. It's kind of like sneaking your vegetables into these things you're already doing anyways in your daily rituals. So if you want to try it and see if you love it as much as I do, go over to foursigmatic.com slash lively. That's going to show you all the products. Like I said, I like the mocha one with the green label. And you can use the code lively at checkout to get 15% off of your purchase, which is a huge help. I myself am here in Sydney and I am out of Four Sigmatic. So tomorrow on my to-do list is to go over to the store. They don't actually ship Four Sigmatic here in Australia, but I know a health food store that sells it. So I'm going to go buy them out of all their mocha mix if they have any in the store tomorrow. But yeah, I'm here sitting in my closet in Sydney speaking to you. This is a big 24-hour travel day from London to Singapore to here to be back. And I got to tell you guys, thank you so much for all of the birthday wishes last week and all of the love on the Detroit announcement. I have to tell you, I'm feeling all of the feels even as I, I got back to Sydney and I was like, gosh, I love it here. It's like completely different energy to Detroit or to the U.S. in so many places. And so I'm just like, man, 
Oh my gosh. I'm just, you know, like I said, the last episode on the show, I'm learning to let go and surrender. But man, there's so much I love about Sydney. I am just throwing it out there, universe. If there's any way to have roots and wings, a place in Sydney and Detroit, may it be so, may it be so, may it be so. If that is in my best and highest good, I'll just say that. I don't have no idea what's going to happen. I'm here for the next three weeks. And honestly, I have no idea what's going to happen. So I'm taking it one day at a time. And my inner voice just says, wait, 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 wait. So I'm going to see how things unfold. And in today's episode, we have a new client session for you. It was so cool to hear you guys love the solo episode, and I'll be sure to mix more of those in from time to time as well, but I just love these client sessions. It's so fun for me to be able to share them with you. In today's, we have Yasmin Park. She is here talking about why we don't have to work so hard. We're going to be talking with her about this, and she's been studying the law of attraction and mindfulness for a few months, and she's grown really quickly in a very short amount of time. And it seems that, as you'll hear in this episode, her inner being is feeling the pull to move into another quote-unquote level of consciousness or spiral dynamics. So we discuss why it's okay. I think this is a really important episode and thing to speak about. Why it's okay to move beyond the things that are no longer serving you and why suffering for just a little bit longer in a situation that's not working out is not worth it. And if you're going very quickly through these stages and you're just like, whoa, I just got into crystals and now I'm already out of crystals or I just got into this and now I'm already out, that can't be? Yes, it totally, totally can. So we're going to talk about also, in addition, something I am really passionate about, which is letting go of what I call the enlightenment chore chart or the spiritual chore chart and the idea that you need to struggle your way to a higher level of consciousness. This is something that I myself am kind of speaking to my own younger self about when this topic arises in my own life and situation. So it's something that's really dear to me. So yeah, let's go to the show. All right. Thank you so much, Yasmin, for doing this little session with us today. Thank you for having me here. I'm really excited. I've been listening to your show for a few months now, and it really has, without overstating it, has really changed my life. So I'm really happy to talk to you. Well, this is a real gift for both of us. Let us start with how you have decided to work together. What are you hoping that we can do together? Okay, so this is interesting because when I decided to do the session with you last week, I wrote out a list of questions that I wanted to ask you. But since then, I've actually answered all the questions myself or have come across the answers. So the reason why I want to talk to you today is to kind of talk about some of the things that I've been thinking about over the last few weeks and months. Um, some ideas which have come into my head after listening to some of the teachings and ideas on your show and just kind of bounce back with you and have a kind of sort of philosophical conversation if you would like. Yeah so you don't really actually want to coach on your life per se more you just want to talk about ideas and concepts? Yeah that's exactly right. Okay let's do it. What do you have in store? This will be fun. It's nice to iterate and see how these are all unfolding in such different ways for every person. It's perfect. Okay so I've been thinking about the way reality works. And you talk about on your show, the ego and something separate from the ego, like the intuition or the inner being. And the way you talk about it is as if they are two separate levels of reality. So you have the ego, which is what the identity that we present to the outside world. And then we have this kind of inner being or intuition, which I'm not quite clear about whether you think the 
intuition is totally separate from the ego, which is a question that I have that I want to ask you. But my understanding is that they're two different things. So the way that I think about the world is that imagine there is a circle and the circle is divided into two. So it's cut in half. And on the top half, it doesn't matter if they're top or bottom, it's just the way it is. And there is a kind of logical or matter universe. And within that, we have the ego, identity, Newtonian physics, the conditioned feelings and thoughts, the ability to change, but change through matter using things such as action and willpower. And then below that, we have the kind of creative or vibrational realm. And this is uh, as opposed to the logical matter realm, which is 3D, is more 4D. And it includes things like quantum physics, being able to change through energy, deliberate creation, using tools such as meditating and feeling the inner body <laughs> or watching the ego, which are some tools which I read about through The Power of Now, which I know you're also reading. And within this realm, yeah, it's more of a creative realm. Okay. The circle, we have the top half, which is the logical realm, and bottom half, which is the creative realm. But this circle is still all an awareness of self. It's just two different types of awareness of self. So you have an awareness of self as logical matter, etc. And then you also have an awareness of self as creative and vibrational. But at the end of the day, it's still just an awareness of self. And outside of this circle, we have being or all that is or God or whatever you want to call it and the bottom half the creative vibrational realm I've drawn it so that the outline of the circle has some gaps in it which from what I believe is a way to show that it's easier to kind of access the kind of outer being through the creative vibrational realm than it is for the logical matter realm which is the line is drawn like line there are no gaps in it so <laughs> for me, my understanding of it then is that this logical realm, this creative realm, they're all still an awareness of self. So even as we try to do things such as watching the ego or feeling the inner body or changing through energy, we are self trying to change self. We can never ever really escape from the self because once we do escape from the self, we enter into this we become being and when we become being there is no self there at all let me clarify there so what you're saying is that when you become being what you're saying is you're going through the gaps at the lower part of the circle and you're entering all that is exactly that's the way i see it but from my understanding of what your understanding is this creative vibrational realm there is an ability to go outside of the self but i don't think is the case i think it's still within a self it's just a different side of the self. I agree with you. I don't actually disagree at all. Okay, that's awesome. So then I have some questions related to the diagram that I've tried to explain. No, it beautifully explained, by the way. And I think it does a great job explaining what I've tried to explain as well in a really beautiful diagram. So thank you. Thank you very much. It's really nice to hear that. And also, let's preface this, by the way. Yasmin and Jess or Ramdas, maybe not Ramdas, but even Ramdas, like anyone trying to explain this. It's like the real experience of this. We are mind speaking to concepts. We are parroting people like perhaps a Ramdas or perhaps a Buddha, Jesus, Eckhart Tolle. They're like a human explaining an orgasm to an alien. And we're all the aliens. So we've never, as an alien perhaps, ever had what a human experiences as an orgasm. But these beings that have had that experience have 
had or sustain a state of this awareness that most humans haven't had yet in a pervasive experience way, right? So they have to then have the challenge, just like a human would have a challenge to explain to an alien that's never had a physical body what an orgasm feels like. Now, that's a very difficult thing to do because the alien has no reference points within itself to this experience in exactly the same way that the human has. Or even if you said to one human to another what an orgasm feels like, that has its own challenges. So you can read about it. You can use adjectives to describe it. You can do the best you can with metaphors and analogies, just like all the enlightened masters have over the eons. But what you're doing with this diagram is what the mind does my mind, your mind, any other mind, even Eckhart Tolle trying to explain as the human to an alien what an orgasm is. And you and I are not, unless you are, you can tell me if you're a permanently enlightened being right now. And then we'll have a totally different conversation where I want to be asking you the questions. But just so everyone knows, this isn't me and this is like the end all be all answer. These are just perceptions and explanations that mind creates to understand something that is experienced beyond itself. So ultimately, none of this really matters. It's all going to happen to us. And in the nonlinear time, it already has happened. The only reason to talk about this is because it feels fun. That's exactly the way I think about things. This diagram that I've drawn is the way I think about it right now. But I know as I continue to read, it's going to change completely. But also what you just said is as I continue to read, which is as I continue to fill my mind with concepts others have used to describe it, I might change the diagram, but that doesn't mean you're deepening the experience. It just means you're changing the mind's concepts from one to another. It's okay. It might even get slightly more closer to the truth, but ultimately the orgasm happens and then you know it. And once you know it, you don't need to describe it. You don't need to like, it's like kind of like these people, another way of putting it instead of orgasm, it's seeing the color yellow, but no humans have ever seen yellow before. How do you describe yellow to someone? So you can do all these analogies, you do all these things, but ultimately this is just for fun. This is not that high stakes. This is not like this is permanent. It doesn't mean everyone needs to have an argument about it. Hilariously, human minds, though, over the eons, kill each other over the descriptions that spiritual masters have used to describe their experience of yellow or orgasm. And then they're like, no, it's like this and it's like that. And then they go through the crusades. It's truly the insanity of the mind that thinks this is actually that important to begin with and decides to fight for the concepts it holds, thinking that's the reality of what is when it's truly not. So just like, I just want everyone listening, like this isn't about now we're getting to the truth. We're just having fun talking about things like the color yellow, but we've not yet permanently experienced it. And it ultimately doesn't matter how we're describing it right now, because we might describe it differently later. Yes, I agree with you. So some of the questions I'm going to ask might be a little bit futile, but they will be fun. Okay. Well, we could just say they're fun rather than perfect or formal, right? We can just have a fun conversation, enlighten, not that it was going to be serious with you or anything, but just for anyone listening, this isn't like, oh my gosh, now I'm getting the keys to the kingdom. No, we're just having fun describing an orgasm or yellow, but we have to have the keen awareness, the humble awareness that we're not permanently there, either of us. So it's not like no matter how many books we read that we know yellow anymore. It's like basically like this. We can read every book in the world on Lisbon. That doesn't mean we've been to Lisbon. So you can read more and more books on Lisbon. You can even see pictures of Lisbon. You can, 
you know, hear people's experiences of Lisbon, but until you've landed there and you've walked around for a day, you haven't been to Lisbon. And unfortunately, Enlightenment doesn't have pictures, right? And there's not that many people to go to to describe the experience. So unlike a city where we can have some possibly, it might feel like we have more sensory experience without having been there, it's even less so with these kinds of matters. And that's what makes it so futile to get serious about and ultimately fun to just daydream about. Mm, you're right. Okay, so let's have fun with it. What are the questions you have in a fun, lighthearted way? Okay, so first question is, do you feel like you have three voices in your head? There is the ego, the intuition or inner being, and then the you who mediates between them. It is the you who tries to ignore the ego and the one who writes to the intuition for answers like you mentioned before. But my question is, who do you think is this you? So I think I would describe it a little differently. So I would say in a coaching client sessions, which have probably aired already by now, but you haven't heard them. So I'll say it for yourself or anyone new that's listening and hasn't heard other client sessions. I'm kind of using this description of people as the bobblehead. There's three elements. There's like the neck, <laughs> the head, the fire hydrant, ego, mind, persona in the head, which is your top half of your circle. And then there's the inner voice, which is my new term for intuition or inner being. Because inner voice is more open-ended. Like we don't really know what's going on. We know we hear a voice. There's no question about that. We know we hear a voice in the head. There's no question about that. But what they ultimately are is much more of a question. It is much more of a yellow, right? Or an orgasm type experience. So we're just trying to understand our experience, but we ultimately don't really know what's going on. These are just the best guesses that we have right now as humans. And when you say that there's this middle third entity, I look at it as the neck, the pivoting, the awareness that there are two voices. And what's interesting is I would say that there's the awareness that I think has less words than you might have described in your thoughts of how I look at it. Then there's the ego persona mind, and then there's the inner voice mind. Now, the inner voice mind, I would say, is pervasively peaceful and present momently focused and like might give you some insights into where to go next, but is still peaceful right now and doesn't see a problem in anything right now. It sees things through a perception of love and peace where the mind, persona, ego, top half of your circle is actually kind of interesting. So if I say that the middle layer, the spring, the bobblehead, that's to me the awareness, the I am that I am. When Abraham asked God to define himself in the Bible, I am that I am. That's the awareness that there is two voices. But then when you said there's this kind of hybrid voice of between the two, to me, actually, as I've been doing the coaching, I would tend to personally kind of lump the subtle, sometimes awareness of the inner voice, but still the resistance to following it as the top half of the circle. So sometimes to me, the persona of the mind and the egoic driver's license identity, as I'm using it to help people understand the mind as a ego, sometimes it's got an awareness of what it should be doing. It still will have resistance and fear around it. It's not the peaceful, loving perception of it. It might, but that doesn't mean that the ego mind doesn't know to some degree what's going on below. So I would say there's less words in the I am that I am and much more awareness, stillness, all that is beingness that you described as outside the circle. So to me, the three elements in your circle analogy are the outside of both circles is to me the bobblehead pivot point 
that can go up or can go down and it can go up to the top half of your circle or bottom to below in the second half of your circle. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. That's my answer to your question. So what's your follow-up? Do you still then distinguish this peaceful, loving inner voice from the ego? So the ego is the mind, but the peaceful, loving inner voice is separate from the ego? Think of it more like this. Think of yourself as like a crystal, okay? Have you ever seen a geode? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think so. A geode is like a rock. It's a crystal. And then the outside, it's kind of usually half, like they broke it in half or into a fraction. I'm actually looking at one. And then the inside, there's a lot of facets and they sparkle. One of the ways I tend to now look at it is to see both voices as facets within the I am that I am. Okay. So they're both facets. And I honestly, some people feel like they're getting like Abraham Hicks, like a voice of channeled multiple entities coming through, right? And other people feel like they're just hearing from their higher self or other people feel like they're hearing from their spirit guide or other people, you know what I mean? So this is why I'm calling it inner voice. Like we don't really know what we're hearing from. We just know we get words and we can identify with that. But then maybe that's ultimately something else than what we think it is. So let's not get so picky about it. Let's just know the difference in quality of content, direction, and alignment between both voices and know that we're the pivot bobblehead. I am that I am, the awareness of that outer circle that gets to choose which way we take our actions from. Do we take it from the bottom half of the circle's point of view or do we listen and follow the top halves? Okay. I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second here. Go for it. So there is a really interesting philosopher called Alan Watts and he once said that the higher self or perhaps this peaceful loving inner voice that you talk about is just when we are fed up with the ego and look inward to the higher self, the ego identifies with the higher self in order to survive. So the higher self is really just the ego, just taking on a new form in order to survive. So we can never really get away from the ego. What do you think about that? Well, what does he say is beyond that then? Is that just, is he saying we're only ever in ego? Uh, he says there is an illusion of the self, which is the ego. And yes, there is really, when we are talking about self in terms of what we can ever know then yes there is really just the ego and then outside of that is being but as the self we can never really know that because then we cease to become the self or the ego yeah well that's enlightenment is like where this self is now just a facet of a larger experience right but your now point of view becomes the sea around the circle rather than inside the circle Mm -hmm, exactly. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Alan Watts is further along in this. I've also listened to enlightened masters describe it differently. Does that mean that this enlightened master is better than that enlightened master? And we should point fingers and define it? No, I'm not saying you are. Like I said, we're just having fun here. But I don't know when he says ego, like we could be talking about the soul. Another way of looking at that is to say that word. Now that brings up a whole nother level of like descriptions around yellow that can be confusing because people use it in different ways in different circumstances, right? So I think that if we say ego, I might identify the word ego differently than how I'd identify the word soul. But to Alan Watts, this is the tricky part. Alan Watts might say ego and soul are intertwined and they're the same thing, but he might be differently defining it than how Eckhart does. And so they could ultimately agree. They just happen to draw a line around the words differently. So they're actually saying the same thing. 
they're just having a different definition of the word they're using. As Eckhart says, they're just signposts. But when those signposts are like defining different things, then we're getting different results and implications. So if you decided, I don't know Alan's description in that circumstance, I'd have to like listen to much more context around that specific statement he shared. Is he, as a person, I don't know, when he was alive, was he defining the signpost of ego as ultimately all aspects of a soul? And in that case, that's different than how Eckhart describes the word ego. And then we would be on the same page again, right? It's not necessarily that even what I just said is off from what Alan says. It's just the word and the definition of it that we're not sure where he's drawing his circle. From my understanding of Eckhart, and correct me if I'm wrong, he believes that it is possible to separate ourselves from the mind as maybe a watch of the mind or kind of get outside of the mind in some manner. He talks about the death of the ego. Yes, exactly. Whereas for Alan Watts, he says it's impossible. And this is why it depends on how each one, Eckhart and Alan, are defining the words. They could be describing the same experience of yellow just with different words. Like, for example, when I was at Eckhart's retreat in October of 2016, I loved some of his conversation around Buddha versus Jesus and how they explained that sea of nothingness or of eternal life that you're describing around the circle. So he kind of mentioned, I would simplify it even further than what he said, but he was kind of saying they both marketed it, it differently. <laughs> One said non-suffering, Buddha. It's the absence of suffering, which is no thing. It's like less things. And then Jesus, same experience, he described yellow differently. He said it's like eternal life. And then he described the pros and cons of each description and the implication in human minds of how they attached or didn't attach to those concepts as human minds with lower levels of consciousness to the points of view. So anyways, to Eckhart and Alan, I don't think that they're necessarily disagreeing either, possibly, but I don't know the whole context of ego as Alan described it versus Eckhart. Okay. The reason why I ask this question is because it has some implications so that when I try to do things such as just go about my daily life or when I try to meditate. So when I'm reading Eckhart, I get the, the feeling that, okay, I can step out from the mind. I can, say, disassociate myself and kind of see, watch myself as an outsider. When I read Alan Watts, I feel like, okay, the watcher is still me and I can never really get outside of it. In either way, neither of these points of view matter. Let's go down to your own, because see, what you're doing, it's wonderful and it's fun, but we don't need Eckhart or Alan to tell you what to do or how to think. Even though they've seen yellow and they've had their orgasms and, you know, they're very happy, wonderful, experienced people, let's do what you can do. Can I have the fun of asking your inner being some questions? Okay. <laughs> Go for it. All right. Because we're going to get you out of your head. Because it's fun to do this, but it's not actually that helpful. It's not getting you further in your life. It's just fun. It's like watching TV shows for entertainment, inspotainment, but it's not your truth. So let's go down and find out what's true for you, like everyone else, okay? So are you more gut or heart sensory experience? I feel like gut. All right, so you're going to listen down there, so a little lower into your belly. I'm going to direct some questions there, okay? Does it matter which point of view is true between Eckhart and Allen? No. Wait, I know we're not asking your ego, though. Just stay down there. 
it's not the only question I'm going to ask. We're just getting started. Why not? Why doesn't it matter? And listen, do not, you're very, very smart. That means your ego mind has like strong points of view on this, but we're going to listen and receive answers this time. Why does it not matter? Because I already know what the truth is for myself anyway. No. All right. I'm going to ask you to put the top half of your circle in the corner. I'm going to ask you to stay as the direct interpreter of word by word what you hear. You just told me a thought. You didn't tell me what you heard. So I want you to just stay word for word to what you receive and don't say anything else. No more. I'm going to now be a little Zen master and imagine I have like a little, a Mr. Miyagi right now, okay? I've got a little stick. I actually think about these Zen masters and I've heard they kind of like hit people with sticks, which sounds very intense. But I, I kind of feel like sometimes with people, I got to be strict because people are so used to bumping up. I don't want you to bump up. I want you to stay down so I can do the exploring for you. So you can get further than you probably or possibly have gone before. Okay? Okay. So I'm tapping my little stick on your shoulder. Okay? No, no, no. Stop with the thoughts or the descriptions of the words, whatever. Just if you hear silence, say silence. If you hear a word, state word by word directly only the words you hear. Okay. Why does it not matter the descriptions between Eckhart and Allen? Word for word. Because what I feel inside is more important. No, 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 no. What did you say it slower as you heard it? Okay. Because what I feel inside is more important. Why is it more important than these enlightened masters that have already experienced this permanent thing I haven't? Because I am the one experiencing it. What did you hear? Because I'm the one experiencing it. That's the words directly, exactly as they were spoken. No, it said because I'm living my own life. Why did you not say those words? <laughs> because it sounded more egotistical. I didn't ask your ego to get involved. Your ego just superseded your inner voice. Do you see how pervasive this is? Okay, this is fine. I still love you. I'm just trying to help you get deeper than this part of you that's very in control right now. And it's not a bad thing. It's very used to being in control. It's had control its entire life. And it's trying to use these masters, Alan and Eckhart, to control your experience through itself. It's scared to look inside where the real answers lie. True or false? Now we're going to ask your inner voice. Is it true that my ego is scared to really listen to you and be honestly direct? Yes. Why? Listen word for word. Do not give any description other than the words you hear. Tap, tap, tap. Because it wants to know. What did you hear? Word for word. Because it wants to know. Perfect. What does it want to know? Everything. <laughs> Yeah, there we go. That's good. Good. One word. The intuition voice is typically very succinct and direct. So beautiful. Everything. Why does it want to know everything? To feel at ease. Does it feel at ease now? Not really. Why? Wait, let's go back. We're going to be ruthlessly in integrity with that voice. It usually doesn't say not really. That's a mind thought. Okay. What did you hear? Is it at ease now? No. No. I don't blame it. 
I'm, right, I'm doing right now. It's probably very uncomfortable to it. But why to your inner voice? Why from your inner voice's point of view is the ego not at ease? Because it wants to be in control. Why does it want to be in control? Nothing coming yet. Perfect. Do you see how you just listened and you didn't add or make up a thought? Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Now I can just ask a different question. There's nothing wrong with that. It just means let's go a different way. Okay. Okay. Of course it wants to be in control. That's like every ego's mind thing. So <laughs> the mind in you is not that different than any other mind. Control is a really big deal for all minds. It's okay. It's normal. But let's go back. I have another question for it. Does the ego mind think that understanding Alan versus Eckhart the most is going to bring it control? No. No. Why is the mind so fascinated by Eckhart and Allen more than listening to this voice inside? Listen for the answer. Because it feels some connection to what they say. That's exactly the direct translation of every single word for word you heard. Yeah. Say it slower and say it how you heard it. Because it feels connected to what they say. What feels connected to what they said from your intuition, inner voice? Something inside. Something inside. There's something inside me? Mm-hmm. It says something inside. So something inside feels connected to what they say. Okay. Why does my mind keep looking outside for answers instead of looking inside? No trust. Beautiful. That is my favorite, most authentically, besides everything. That's the phrase I feel very confident. You're really, that voice, you want to hone in on that, Okay. That way you heard it, the words, that's very awesome. Okay, no trust. Okay, let's pop you back in, all right? We're gonna bring the, the mind that's been there very sort of kicking and screaming, but patiently in the corner, sort of. How does it feel to know that your mind is not trusting your own deeper voice than these other people's voices? I feel slightly betrayed because I believe that I, as I was learning or reading and studying and listening to these people that I was getting more trust and having more, say, ammunition to go into the inner world, exploring, get through meditation and so on. So I was taking from these teachers and these teachings some kind of tools that I could use to understand and trust myself more. And I don't know if I could totally trust myself without having this outside kind of support in a way, like a sort of direction. Does that make sense? Yes, but how much time do you spend doing this inner wisdom versus reading? Much less so, although I do meditate quite a lot, actually. Well, meditation is fine. You're just strengthening the, the bubble head neck muscles, the awareness, cool. But if you're not choosing to spend more time looking inward for answers than outward, what do you think is really going on with the ego in that case? Like, you're pretty smart. The mind can figure this out. What is it really doing? To be honest, I had some doubt in the inner voice because there was a time when I was trying to write to it and the answers that were coming up seemed to reflect the things that I had been reading about at the time. So I felt, okay, it's just me answering from my subconscious all the things that I've learned over these last few weeks. And so when I started changing some of the things, uh, uh, reading new books, then my answers would be different. So I was like, hey, is it really my inner voice who's answering it? Or is it just this subconscious knowledge that I had gathered over time, which is just coming out when I answer these questions? Thank you so much for sharing this. This is getting so much juicier, right? This is really your questions. 
not the questions you made up from the mind to stay stuck in the mind all day about what's going on below. But that question is the question to ask your inner voice. Instead, you just kept reading instead of asking for that answer, because that answer is not something you would get from a book, right? But if the inner voice is mediated through the mind and the mind is... We're just talking about definitions, tomato, tomato, right? Okay, okay. These are all signposts. These are not the answers. And would Alan tell you to listen to your higher self? I'm sure he would. Yeah. Would Eckhart tell you to do that? Yes. Does every spiritual teaching say that there is some connection within you to everything that is? (laughs) Does Abraham? They all are there saying it, but the difference with me is I'm making people now just do it and shut up the mind. And I just get to be the mind for a change so that you have the gift of going deeper and longer into another, let's put it this way, another experience of yourself. And we can call it the ego or the soul or the mind or whatever the hell the circle we're going to define it is. It doesn't matter. But they're all trying to get us to a point of view that is accessible. Let's just call it that. (laughs) It's accessible, whatever it is. So now I'm going to ask exactly the million dollar question. I'll answer back to what I was trying to see if you could see clearly. Your ego decided to stall by reading more than listening. Let me go outside myself. Let me look for more answers outside myself. Install, just waste time. It doesn't think it is. It's thinking it's being very productive. Thank you very much. And it thinks it's going to go find better answers from someone else. It always wants to do that. Whether it's going to Alan Watts or Eckhart Tolle or their mom or their Instagram polls. (laughs) People love to look outside themselves because then they get to avoid having the responsibility for anything going wrong, what they perceive, the mind perceives to go wrong, to be in their control. If I get the answer from Alan or Eckhart, then it's not in my control. If I get it from my Instagram poll, it's not in my control. If I work with a business coach, it's not in my control. If they're not right, I'm not going to blame them because they're not me. They just didn't know it was right for me. But at least I got to ask them, do you see how the logic subtly in the mind obfuscates its responsibility by looking outside itself, even when it comes to spiritual masters or gurus? So now let's go back to that really deep question that most wants to be asked right now by your ego mind. You're going to listen down to your gut right now. Be ruthlessly literal with the translation of what you hear. Just tell me what comes up. When I'm reading all these books and the answers seem to morph into what I'm reading, am I hearing my own truth? What do you hear? No. Why not? You're hearing silence? It's fine. Yeah, just confusion. <laughs> well, wait, confusion's not a part of the... Okay, so I know there, there's just like a lot of mind static you had to kind of see through. Yeah. Okay, all right. Let's ask another question. We're going to turn it around. This is great, guys. If you guys get a question like this and you're like, oh, there's too much confusion, ask it differently. So this is a new question. Why is there so much confusion and fear around finding out this answer within myself about whether I'm parroting other people? Because I don't trust myself. So I don't trust this voice I'm hearing from either. Exactly. Why don't I trust the voice inside myself? 
I know what the ego wants to say, but my inner voice hasn't come up with anything right now. So take another pause. Just listen again. Open mind. Have no attachment to the answer. What is really saying is the mind is so attached to a certain answer, it's not willing to hear anything else, which is means it's, it's interfering so much. Just be open-ended. Who the hell cares? Would you rather know this answer? And just whichever way it falls? This is quite a big question that I've been thinking about so much that I think it's going to be quite hard to get underneath the mind to answer it right now because it's just a freeze at the moment. All right, let's do a new one. Let's do a new one. Why am I scared to hear this answer? You can at least find that out. There's no stake in this. Why am I scared to hear this answer? You can at least open to that answer. Because it will change things. Very beautiful. How does that feel to know? That's why it's scared. Because I'm not ready. Is that true? Ask the inner voice. No. <laughs> it came up with no straight away. Good. Okay, that connection you just felt, that's what you're listening for. Just live from that for a second, okay? No, it's not true. I'm not ready. Why does the mind think I'm not ready then if it's not true? Because the mind is scared. Yes. What did you actually hear? Because the mind is scared. You said because the mind is scared. All those words? Yes. Okay. All right. What is it scared of? Change. Change. Why is it scared of change? Newness. <laughs> yeah. Do you see what's going on? It would rather read 75 books and have a little philosophical conversation with Jess and try to pick apart diagrams rather than change. Okay, I'm actually talking to you, so you don't have to stay in the lower voice yet. How does it feel to know that's what all of this overthinking of it? And tell me if this resonates for you. I had this realization after the fifth read of... Eckhart, <laughs> is that reading books on digestion doesn't make me poop any faster. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you've reached enough information on digestion? Oh, yeah. I feel like stuffed. Like I'm full of information because whenever I read and they suggest things to do, I'm like, okay, I'm going to try this. 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 It's like you're constipated. You're not passing it out. It's just staying stuck. And that's what the mind is trying to do. And now you know why. Why is it trying to stay constipated in consumption of content rather than passing <laughs> into the next phase of digestion? Why is it doing that? You just heard the answers. Yeah. Can you say them? I want to hear you say them from the mind now, because now the mind has awareness of what's going on within itself. What's happening? Why is it doing that? Why is it reading all this stuff? Why is it staying stuck in the head? It's afraid of change. It's yeah. afraid of something new. It's afraid of the unknown, I guess. It's definitely afraid of the unknown. I know that. Yeah, totally. But it's also afraid of losing grip because it has such a strong grip. Yes. You know what I can tell you? Because I've gotten that phrase a lot in my years. And... One of the beautiful things I realized recently to gift myself and the mind of myself with, guess what? My mind was afraid of boredom because then it wouldn't have something to do. The mind thrives on having problems to solve. So your mind is doing the same thing. It's just making diagrams like my mind is kind of very similar. So or the mind in both of us is very similar. It's using this content to stay in a place where it's not just experiencing what it's reading about. I guess I'm trying to experience it and I have felt some strange sensations when meditating, which I would say is a kind of glimpse of what could be interesting if I carried on. Yeah, well, that's beautiful. Keep doing that. But I don't think the reading and the conceptualizing is, let's ask the inner voice. Let me not project. Okay, inner voice. Do I need to read any more about this subject right now? 
No. <laughs> no. Can I let that go? Yes. Will the mind in me be okay with that? Yes. Is that what you heard from the inner voice? Yeah. How does your mind actually feel about that? Does it agree? No, I don't think so. The, the thing is the mind also finds it fascinating. So it really wants to carry on reading because it's interesting. Yeah. But guess what? Why don't you carry on in experimenting? And I also want to tell your mind something because my mind really liked hearing it the other day. It thinks it needs to think so it can do a good job as a mind. It really wants to do a good job. It's like such a little overeager beaver that wants to people like make everyone happy. It wants to make me happy. It wants to do good. My little mind doesn't want to let it's myself or anyone else, you know, to a to a degree really like means well. Okay, but then with that little eager beaver mentality it had, it thought thinking made it do a good job. And what I told it recently and like let it sink in to the subconscious level is that it can do a good job and it doesn't mean that it's thinking a lot. Like it can do a great job, a successful job as a mind without thinking. So it can have the moniker of good. Good does not equal thinking now for my mind. So the mind is good. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not shamed. It's not trying to prove itself, but it can be good and it cannot think, which I think it had this association with being a good mind and doing a good job means I'm thinking. And now I'm allowing it to just go, wow, I can breathe a lot instead of think. And that's a good job for the mind too. Not that the mind is breathing. That's not a point. It's not about like now the mind is being focused on breathing, but it's just saying it doesn't have to do anything. It can take a vacation. I'm telling it, it gets a vacation whenever it wants and it's still doing a good job. It's like a person that has a job and never had any vacation time and thought that the more it was a workaholic, the more it would be successful and applauded and be influential in its realm of experience, right? And I'm telling it, whoa, 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 you get to have some vacation time, just like the Europeans get. You can get a lot of vacation time and still be doing a really good job as a mind. How does that feel to try to adopt in your own way to your mind? I have one issue with that and that's because I've been thinking about it so much as if we can ever really stop thinking ever and I think from what you told me earlier it really doesn't matter yeah let's ask your inner voice this is where you don't need to go to Eckhart or Alan anymore will we ever stop thinking ask the inner voice oh, it's really depressing well ask it just said no to me Okay. All right. So the, why is my ego upset about that? It's the thing that's thinking and it's never going to stop. So it's never not going to have a job to do. Why is it upset about that? Listen for the voice. It says because it wants a break, which is a really weird answer because I think my mind just wants to talk all the time. Deep down inner voice, does it really want a break? It says yes. Okay, great. Good, good, good. Now here's your million dollar question. Why does it want a break deep down? It says the word ease. Yeah. Does my mind actually want to have more ease? Yes. Why is it so afraid to allow that to happen? Lose control. Yeah. So it goes back. So these are all a lot of questions that kind of circle back around to new change and control. And this would, of course, be what a mind that's very active wants to do. And I'm just pointing out to you, you have done the quote unquote work in terms of studying the masters 
awesome. And also, by the way, this is natural. This is unfolding. It's not like Eckhart read so many books that eventually it just happened. And I don't know Alan's transition, if he had one, but most people, even Byron Katie, was laying on the ground and a cockroach rolled over her leg. This is not from a book and some aha moment from Alan Watts. It's a natural part of the process, like an apple falling from a tree. So it's not the mind's job to ever not be the mind. And I knew that very full well. I wanted to go beyond the mind. My mind wanted to go beyond the mind, but the mind, it's like a dog chasing its own tail, will never not be the mind. So all we got to do is say, hey, you can have some vacation time and still do a great job. You're getting promoted mind <laughs> to a better, more influential role, which gives you more paid time off. <laughs> getting a better salary, better benefits, more time off, go on vacation, go enjoy yourself, and you're doing a better job. You're having now even more influence, but not in a scared way. But in an empowered way that when you do want to use the mind, it's empowered to do so in the most productive way for you possible. It's just not spreading itself so thin into territory that it's not needed for. Okay. Okay, now I have an issue. I would love that. I would like to stop using my mind less. But then if I ask you, okay, so what should I do to stop using my mind less? I'm going to think about the stuff that I have to do to stop using my mind. Okay, but you know the answer. What am I going to say to that? What am I going to say to that? You're going to say, listen to your inner voice. Yeah. Okay. So now we're going to do that question. So you tell me the question. What's the question? The question is, how can I stop, use my mind less? Okay. Beautiful. What is the answer? In the inner voice. Tap, tap, tap. Says relax. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 okay, this mind has not been relaxing for a really long time. It's got adrenal fatigue. It's not that, that it literally has adrenals that are fatigued, but you know, it's gotten really overworked and it's just used to going at a really frantic pace. How do I teach it to relax? How do I allow it to relax? Is this a question for my inner voice? Yeah, yes, because your mind doesn't know. It's too used to working. It's a workaholic. <laughs> it says sit down which is weird because I sit down a lot. <laughs> yes. Listen to this. Do I need to formally meditate? No, but it's really fun. I know this. No, but what did you hear? Ah, okay. That's my ego. Okay. It says no. Yeah. If I don't need to meditate and I don't need to read <laughs> about this, and these are my two favorite ways of you know, trying to explore this material without actually going inward. <laughs> what should I be doing instead? Sitting down? Is that it? It said sitting. Yeah, sitting. What should I do when I'm sitting? Now it's saying lying. Okay, even more relaxed. It's like, you don't even need to sit, girl. I don't, I don't meditate sitting up. I lay down. I like, I like your inner voice's speed. I like laying down so much more. <laughs> Me too. Okay, can I give you some suggestions? You haven't seen them because they haven't come out yet officially, but maybe by the time this episode comes out, you guys can download this. But I've made a free, I call them enlightenment meditations, like little tastes of enlightenment. <laughs> they're not enlightenment, the permanent pervasive Alan Eckhart experience, but they're little tastes of it. And they're far more casual and you can adapt and make up your own enlightenment. So you don't have to do mine. You don't have to do Zen. You don't have to do any meditation you've ever heard of. Obviously, that's all it's telling you to do is lay down. <laughs> but one thing I like to do when I lay down, because I don't do anything formal, there's no timers, there's no anything, I just like to stare at the lights in my eyelids. And 
that just for me is the most relaxed way to enjoy time without thinking. Either that or I lay down and I feel the energy little flow in my fingertips and see where else I can feel it in my body. The tingles, I call it. I feel the tingles wherever I can feel them. I actually do the second one quite often. It's really fun. (laughs) Okay. All right. So what if you just dropped all the rest and whenever you feel the mind is like, oh my gosh, I need to do something. You just lay down and you feel the tingles. That sounds really fun, actually. Yeah, because guess what, girl? No one's asking you to suffer except some past life where you were some monk where you did that all day long over and over and over again and you just like are used to it in the subconscious level or maybe that never happened. But there's so much in the human mind persona psyche that says we need to suffer for this. Inner voice, is that true, that we need to suffer for enlightenment? No. Can we have fun while it happens to us and through us? Yes, it's all fun. Would you like me to have more fun? Yes, definitely. How else can I have more fun in a way that supports this unfolding process that's naturally happening inside? It says relax again. Yeah, just relax, girl. You did the work. There's no more work to do. It's happening through you, not by the mind. It's interesting because when I think about the studying that I've been doing, it never felt like suffering except when I try to put it into action because I would always see it as a failure. Like, oh, I haven't, well, not always. When I lie back and just feel the tingles, it always just feels like really fun. But other times when I try to do stuff and I can't hold it consistently, I'm like, okay, it's not working. I'll keep trying, I'll keep trying, I'll keep trying. So I guess in some way it was suffering. And now I'm seeing that more clearly. Whereas when I was doing it, I was like, no, this is all part of the process. This is all... This is interesting. This is the human getting its chore chart gold star. Mm. This is the enlightenment chore chart. That's what that is. That is what so many people are waking up gold starring in their chore chart for enlightenment or spiritualness or consciousness. Do you see that? That's the mind filling out a chore chart. The thing is, when I see other people have, I know I've just said, I just answered my own question by saying other people, but Okay, let me give you an example. So I'm really influenced by Job Spencer's work, especially on healing, which is something that we could get into a bit later because I have some specific questions about that. And he has some types of meditation, which I've tried, and I don't always feel like his meditation is right for me. But then when I see that other people have been able to completely transform themselves through it, I'm like, okay, maybe if I keep sticking to it. Maybe if I keep getting out of alignment with myself, that I'll somehow get somewhere. Do you see how human that is? It's not you. It's the human mind. That's such a human mind thing to do. This is not personal. This is every human mind. Not every, but like it's a very human mind thing. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And I just want to quickly add one thing to that, which is that I had a very quite profound experience, but not so profound, but quite profound while doing one of his meditations, which makes me think, okay, Yasmin, you can get there again if you stick to it. Okay, question deep down quick 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 <laughs> do I need to keep doing that like I just ask the inner voice instead of going on carrying on thought 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 question thought 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 question go down for the answer do I need to keep doing Joe's meditations because I had a cool experience once no if you like <laughs> yeah if you ever feel like it one day and you're like you know what I want to do pineal activation let's do that today that's more fun than tingles today mm-hmm mm-hmm If these things are not as fun as eating chocolate in the morning for you, which I like, if you don't like chocolate in the morning. Oh, I love, (laughs) I love. Right? Okay, so you don't have to do chocolate in the morning. But instead of doing my spiritual chore chart, 
I eat chocolate in the morning. And anything else that feels like chocolate in the morning, I do. Anything else, I don't. Don't spiritual chore chart yourself. Not that you, I'm actually speaking to, like, I think this is such a cool way of like people going, oh my gosh, you mean I don't have to do all that stuff? Okay, question, which is, a part of me thinks that if I give, like, say, quote marks, give up on some of these things, that I'm either depriving myself of something or I'm being slightly lazy. Like, okay, it didn't work for you a few times, so you're not sticking with it, so... I know this is the effort side. (laughs) Yeah, that's just an old, outdated mode of consciousness that's just coming back into your awareness again. If I just work harder, I can get a result. Do you really believe that all the time? No. No, but it's showing up. And this is what the season four point of my consciousness, why it had to evolve, is because I went from efforting my effort in action to efforting my thinking and consciousness if, as a subject. So I just switched my effort to a different area that was more non-physical than physical. Do you feel that for yourself? Mm-hmm, definitely. Was it fun at first? Yeah. Is it draining now? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, that's the sign. It's no longer your alignment to do so. That means you're transitioning to something new. Not anything wrong with it. It just means something new is coming forward. How does that feel? It feels good. It lets off some steam. Yeah. Okay. So let's look at the bigger flow. Okay. So how long ago were you in the effort and action point of awareness? Maybe three months ago. Three months ago. And then you got into all of this consciousness, thought, meditation stuff three months ago? Yes, although I've had like ideas about it for a long time, but really seriously, say three months ago. Okay, I love this. We're doing this faster and faster, okay? Some people spend an entire lifetime stuck at what you did in three months, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just the life experience they're choosing to have. It's just the dream that they're choosing to have for that long. But for you, before the three months, how long did the effort and action and hustle and discipline of your actions How long did that period feel draining and kind of not aligned before you found the consciousness stuff? Oh, my God. (laughs) So long. So long. So long. Yes, yes, yes. And you just didn't know any different or what else to do next, right? So you're kind of just stalling and like treading water. Yeah, I just totally define myself as somebody who works hard. Yeah, it's just a story. Now you're telling a new story and it felt really fun. How long did it feel like the most happy aligning thing you could possibly imagine when you found all this other stuff? I don't know. In the, whenever I learn something new, it feels very fresh and exciting. And when it works for me, it feels really good. And as I learn more things, I drop other things and they feel fresh. Whenever new things come in, it's more exciting. And then I keep some things and I drop some things. I think you've been keeping this one for a little longer than it's comfortable. Okay. Does that resonate for your inner voice? Ask the inner voice. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Can I let it go a bit and just relax more? Yeah. Am I being a bad person if I do that? No. Will I lose out on outcomes I could have gotten if I stayed where I was? Listen for this answer. Because your ego really is holding on to this. If I just did it longer, if I just did it longer, three more months. There's like a fight in my head between yes and no. Well, which part's fighting for which answer? The yes seems to be more dominant. Okay, do I need to keep doing things as I've done them thus far? It says yes. Can I grow in new ways if I evolve into something new? 
Yes. Is it okay for me to evolve quicker than I'm used to? Yes. Is it okay to let things go quicker than I'm used to? Yes. Can I be more malleable, flexible, and have more entertaining fun if I just have more fun along the ride and let things go when they're no longer serving me? Yes. How does that feel? How many years of like effort, you know, and it didn't feel right, did you live? And now you're just like, wait, I haven't suffered long enough to really make sure this is terrible. And that is exactly my question, which is, I've been studying this for, say, three months. How can I just go off into the world after three months, you know? Oh, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. How can I be done so quickly? Don't I have to burn in the oven longer? Don't I have to stay in my own personal hell longer? Do you see how powerful this is, not just for you, but everyone listening? Yeah. I did it for two years, but it was in joy until I hit the wall. I didn't have that total like kind of friction as quickly as you did. It took me longer. I had a longer ride on the orgasm of consciousness stuff. But you know what? That was really fun for me in that time. It wasn't a waste of time. It was aligning for me every day I did it, which was the whole point of doing it. It wasn't for the outcomes of it. It was for the alignment of it. And that led to that, to that. And that got me around the whole spiritual circus or many parts of it. And now it's beautiful because I get to relate to people that are at those parts in their own lives. And that's cool. But guess what? You don't have to do that. You don't have to go into every little nook and cranny. And I didn't go into every single one, right? But I went to several of them because it was fun to. And then I was ready to leave it. But like, for example, I didn't have to do ayahuasca 75 times in order to feel like I like tapped into that corner of the circus, right? You maybe didn't even have to do it at all. But that doesn't mean that you did it badly or you didn't go in far enough. It just means you're evolving in the path that's right for you. I know why I'm finding it hard to just go off by myself because in the beginning of this journey, or I, I don't know if I like to call it a journey, I think it's more of a kind of being, but I had an idea in mind to change or transform or become a different person. So I feel like I can't leave the study until I have become that person. But you don't even realize it, girl. Watch this. Watch this. Inner voice. Have I transformed already? Yes. (laughs) Your ego is like, I didn't work hard enough. That didn't cost enough. That wasn't hard enough. That wasn't effortful enough. That wasn't painful enough. It's too quick. It's strange. Wait, inner being, does my mind feel like I don't deserve it to be that easy? Yes. Yeah, it's deserving and worthiness. That's a, that's a human mind thing. It's like these minds, and even if you look at human history, and you maybe or maybe not either believe you've had past lives or you believe there's kind of ancestral patterns that are culturally passed down from generation to generation. Either way, doesn't matter. But like there's been a lot of pressing upon other humans for other humans to get what they want whether it's enslavement or industrial revolution and they're getting paid low wages, but they're working really long hours, right? There was a lot of humans, a majority typically in human history, having to work hard so that others can have more, right? And so that mentality is at some level kind of etched into the human mind patterns to some level or another, not for everyone, but it's a kind of a common thing. That's okay, But to go through one lifetime and evolve out of that pattern that may be going on for at least generations, if not many of your own lifetimes, if you believe in that, that's a lot, right? That's a big shift. So we can have compassion for the resistance that comes up. And at the same time, now that we're the bobblehead and we have awareness of that hinge or that outer side of the circle in your diagram in the beginning, 
you now have a choice where you didn't realize you had one before. Before, that top part of your circle was all that we were living in as a historical species or even in our own past lifetimes, potentially. Okay? So now you have an unequivocal guide voice within you that's telling you personally, for you in this lifetime, it's no longer needed. And other people on this planet may not even have that bobblehead awareness yet, and they may not have it this lifetime, and that's okay too, because they're just having their dream, their experience. There's nothing wrong with them for not even being aware that it's possible. I have parents that aren't aware that it's possible. This isn't like, oh my God, they didn't even have access to the internet and that's such a tragic thing. No, like you could be the daughter of <laughs> of people and be like talking about this. And that doesn't mean even if you have every possible access to that point of view within you and you know it, that you would even choose it. Does that mean that that is wrong for my family? No. Does it mean I need to judge them? No. Can I have compassion for what that feels like? When you don't even know you have it and you're choosing not to? Yeah, because I've done that before. I've avoided my own voice before. I've made decisions in the past without realizing I had this choice. And it doesn't mean I need to judge their life experience as any different, you know, like or worse than my own or anyone else's. It's all okay. Is that true, inner voice within you? Is it all okay that everyone's choosing to listen as much or as little as they want? Yes. I don't disagree with that at all. No, no. I know you don't. I'm not saying you do. I'm just speaking to this general arc, though, of you are stepping away from a pattern in human history and human mental psyche that is used to doing things the long and hard way. And what you didn't realize is that you were trying to use your consciousness the long and hard way. Yeah. It was just a new level. And now you're like, really? I can let go of the rope altogether? I don't have to keep playing tug of war with my inner being. I can just let it all be allowed in general, in every aspect, not even in thought control or action control. It can really be that easy. You didn't realize it, but I think you were just learning how to let go of that rope. But it was a stepping stone through efforting your consciousness. And even at that, you started to get uncomfortable enough with the effort even that took. And you were ready for more. This is really profound for me at the moment. I can really, 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 really resonate with that. Yeah, it was something that I was trying to avoid admitting in a way because I, I was telling myself this whole time that, oh, I'm not efforting anymore. I'm not trying to do things the hard way. Everything feels so much easier now. Yet I was exhausting my brain. I was too. Why do you think I know this? Yeah, it's mean. Why do you think I know this? Because I did it up to April. I've gone through a very similar one. I just did it for a longer period of time and maybe different nooks and crannies than you went into. And that was fun for me until I hit the wall. And I can just tell, it seems from what you're sharing, you've hit your own wall. And this is where I said season five is going to be talking about the shadow. Season four point of view doesn't really want to admit to itself or anyone else. Does that feel true for you? Like all of this is kind of the dark side of that stuff after a point where it's no longer aligning? Yes, because now I feel like if I'm just let off into the world to do my own thing, to think things, whatever, can I really do it by myself? And 
is there still more to learn as well? Can you really just have fun in life? Am I really just God and I don't realize it and I'm just having this dream that I'm not and that once I just let go, that realization within me that's really my consciousness or the all that is or that outer space's job is to leak in and seep through the holes in that circle pervasively enough where I have that connection intertwined within my daily life existence in this life or the next. And in the meantime, I don't have to try so hard. You know, I completely agree with that. But I think about I try to think about that as I go about my daily life. So at every moment, I'm like, okay, think about what you really are. You are all that is you are God, you are this, you are that. So I never want to lose that connection. Because I feel like if I stay in that connection, something big will happen. Oh, yeah, of course you are the ego's new shiny penny. Same here. All right, inner voice. Is me staying in that point of view going to help this process unfold any faster? No. Guess what? I was on a plane from Honolulu to Vancouver, sat next to a wonderful lady, and I noticed out of this random one-off, one single serving experience, how much my ego is still like present. And I had a chuckle to myself later thinking, this is hilarious because I very may possibly be closer to that fully realized experience than ever before. And I had this realization of like, how hilarious is it that my mind can be this far away from that realization at so many points in time, and yet it could still happen really soon. Okay. It's not the job of the human to perfect itself before it happens. Eckhart wasn't a saint before. He wanted to kill himself. He hated himself so much. Byron Katie didn't feel like she even deserved to sleep on the mattress. She slept on the floor. These people were not holier than thou, always living in this present mindful state. The apple just fell from the tree. The poop just comes. Okay, I'm going to tell you a story. Okay, sorry guys, a lot of poop analogies are coming up lately. I'm sorry, but I think it's funny because I love how like practical and like, like not precious the analogies coming through lately for me have been. It's not that precious. You know, there's so many precious or, or really spiritual sounding analogies to this. It doesn't need to be thought that way. Okay, when I was little, I found this out from my mom years ago. And I was like, God, did they screw me up? I was the oldest child. <laughs> they probably were overeager not to like change diapers with me anymore. So they decided to start potty training me sooner than I was ready. And they also were new parents. They didn't probably know how, when to do that, but whatever. I don't even know the ages, but they decided to try to potty train me too soon. And I, like I said, was a little eager little mind. I really wanted to make people happy, but it was too soon. It wasn't the time for the apple to fall from the tree, right? It was not time for me to actually be potty trained naturally. It was just when they, in their minds, for whatever reason, decided this would be the time for me. A mind decided the time in this case, but it was externalized to my life which is even, you know, very common. Everyone's doing it to everyone. But they did this. And apparently my mom told me I developed a little tick. <laughs> As this poor little toddler, I was like, I don't know. I just imagine myself rocking on that little potty and like getting a tick, trying to do what they wanted me to do before it was time. And she said, eventually we had to just let it go. And then it just like, you just did it a little later than they were trying to do it. Do you feel like you're sometimes rocking in that potty with a little tick waiting for the enlightenment to happen, but you're starting to really kind of shake and it's not helping? 100%. Can you just allow yourself to go have fun for a while? And the thing is, before you didn't know any of this was possible. So you're living your life, efforting your action, miserable not aligned. Now, 
you can let go and just eat chocolate in the morning, feel the tingles when it feels fun, do a pineal activation meditation with Joe Dispenza when you feel like it. If it's more fun than watching Netflix, do it. If it's not, watch Netflix instead because you're no longer the person you were before. Inner voice, will I ever go back to being who I was before if I don't keep reading as much as I've been doing lately? You just read my mind, by the way. That was my next question. I know ego minds very well. Not because I'm special. I just have the same voice. Yeah, that's what I'm scared of, that if I don't keep reading, I will just lose this connection that I'm feeling right now. And then I will become just normal is the wrong word because everything is fine. I don't have any problem with anything else. But yeah, lose kind of strong connection to being whatever, all these kind of spiritual stuff that I'm feeling at the moment. You know what it is? I'm going to ask your inner being. Do I just have a new stronger ego identity of being spiritual than I did before and I'm afraid to lose that also? Yeah. Just the mind. It's not you. It's just the mind made a new identity for itself and it's called holier, consciouser than thou. Not in like a horrible way, but you just said, I don't want to go back to being normal, which is a prerogative term, not in you. It's in the mind towards consciousness that was anyone before that state of realization within themselves or yourself goes both ways. It's not personal. It's just the mind doing what it does, compare and judge and contrast. That's all it has the ability to do. It can't feel the connection to all that is. That tingles that you're sensing is your bobblehead sensing the outer limits of that circle. It's not the top half of the circle. That's your consciousness growing in awareness of its true essence. So it's all normal. And guess what? You get to chuckle too and go, isn't it hilarious that this mind is never going to stop thinking? It's never going to be perfected. And yet the apple's still going to fall from the tree. And I am more close to that realization and that apple falling than ever before. Yet I just have different problems than I had before. Yet it still is going to happen. And it's not in any perfection of the human mind to be done. That really makes a lot of sense and is really reassuring. It sounds very nice to my ears to hear that. <laughs> yeah, well, inner voice is what Jess said roughly true. Yes. Was it fun for me to go through this journey to realize that? Yes. Is it a blessing that I don't go through another three months fighting upstream against this? Yes. Is it okay for me to welcome this transition to this new reality now in a more relaxed and allowing way? Yes. Wow. It's like I have to stop doing something that, even though it's only been three months, I feel like I've been doing it for years because I've been probably thinking about it too much. But it's like, how do I become something new again? And I guess the fear of newness is here again. It's like, yeah, it's a fear of losing control because I have been in control of this this kind of rethinking that I've been doing the last few months. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, even just in this whole conversation. I mean, Yasmin, compared to the beginning of our call, if you contrast how the last 20 minutes have felt versus the first 20 minutes, how much different do you feel? I feel 100% different because in the beginning, I was actually really scared because I hate speaking in public. And I know this is something like speaking in public. So I was trying to think about, okay, before the call, let me meditate. Let me just think about not being nervous. But then obviously it still comes up. But just talking to you just really put me at ease. So that's really nice. So yeah, so not thinking about it and just like going with the flow has really made the conversation more fun. Can you live your life this way? 
Is this more of a metaphor to like the way you've been approaching life was like the first 20 minutes and now it'd be more fun to live this way going forward? Yeah, totally. And it's just really funny because I always like to, in the last few months especially, I'm like, I see myself as a more flowing person. But the me, the, the kind of more like hard exterior, the more the one who wants to be in control has been that way for so long that I guess it's harder than I think to get rid of that. Well, you're British too, right? I'm guessing by the voice. Yeah, of course, you've got a cultural heritage and an environment that has a very strong focus on structure. And it even historically makes sense. I watched the Churchill movie on a plane and just thinking about what the UK had to go through, even just during World War II with the raids and the bombings and everybody having to keep a stiff upper lip and like keep calm and carry on when like there's so much pressure on these people during that time. Like there was a lot of conformity for survival that's not that far in the past for certain generations of that population. And then they have kids. And the people that were young then were in the subconscious state to bring a little Joe Spencer in. And so they had that experience. They grew up in that experience. And I'm not even saying that this even just only goes back to that part of history, but especially just even considering that, that we need to like keep the lights down. We're on rations. There's so many things they needed to do to survive. And then those kids are the ones that are now the grandparents or the past relatives of the people that are now. So then they pass it on to their kids. And then there is this idea that following the protocol is the path to success. Where America had slightly different issues. We have like a lot of slavery guilt and drama going on around that past pattern. But we also have like in terms of entrepreneurialism or the American dream or like the innovation or like bucking the rules, that's got like a culturally different connotation. We're also rebels, like our history is to like rebel. So there's a different connotation in that. And none of these are that like, you know, (laughs) things we need to hold on to or make more stories about, but we can let go when they're not serving our actual ultimate freedom. And the freedom isn't, and it's funny, Americans love freedom, right? Well, it's not actually about freedom as a government. It's the freedom for you to just relax and lay down instead of meditating every day. It's the freedom for you not to have to read this stuff anymore, unless it just feels fun. If it feels as fun to read Joe Dispenza as a mystery novel, go for it. But you don't need it any longer for you to change what ultimately is always in your control. And it's not about the reading, it's about you bobbleheading down to this voice in you that is the ultimate author and guide for your life. Whether it's your higher ego self or whether it's your soul or whether it's a guide or whether it's infinite intelligence or an angel, I don't really care. How do you feel about living from what it's telling you to do versus staying stuck in patterns you've had in the past? Okay, just one point is when you were just talking about letting go of the reading and the meditating, I just had in my head just a vast empty space which just makes me think about the answer that I gave earlier about being scared of the unknown. So that's coming again, which is like, okay, I stopped that. What happens next? How are you feeling? Do you have any thoughts or comments you'd like to share with everyone from what you've just experienced as your own journeys unfolded so far? I'm just really grateful that I've gone on this journey. And it's something that really makes a lot of sense to me. It's something that I feel like, I don't don't know if I necessarily believe in fate, but I feel like I was eventually going to come to this point because all of my kind of deep-seated memories have some connection to what I'm 
thinking about now. So it's like my mind was eventually going to come to this point. And I wonder if any of your listeners resonate with that. And I'd really love to talk to people about that as well. And yeah, just relaxing. The human's not really done that in a very large way. You've had a lot of opportunities, I'm guessing, for you to land up here and study all this stuff. There's been a lot of opportunities, but that doesn't mean you haven't been a slave to yourself, the egoic part, the top half of that circle. It's still used to being in bondage within itself, but the lower half of your circle or in the outside of your circle is free and it knows it. It's a generalization for a lot of people. We just haven't been bobbling down to realize it and follow it. So now we have a little bit of like a post life. Like what happens post season four, Yasmin? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Inner voice, do I need to know what it's going to look like? No. Why not? Why not? Because you never know. Okay, inner voice. Do you even want to know what's next? No. Why not? It's not fun. Why is it more fun not to know for you? Excitement and surprise. Yeah. All right. Can I tell you a little story? Sure. This is kind of going back to, you know, your mind and it loves diagrams and analogies, okay? Let's pretend you made The Sims. You developed the game The Sims the computer game where everybody makes a, like mock little houses and lives and they walk around in these little avatars. Okay, you made the game and so you know all the cheat codes that you built into the game. So every time you go as a little Sim character into the casino, you win. There's no ability for you to lose the game at the casino. Every lotto ticket you buy, you win. Every, the biggest jackpot every time. You can set the jackpot to whatever you want because you're in control of the game and then you get to win it. And everyone else may or may not know the cheat codes that you've set, but you made it so you know the codes, you know where they are, you know how to get all the cherries, the coins, whatever, right? And you can get every man, you have the cheat code, so every sim man that walks by you instantly falls in love with you. And once you find the favorite one that you like, you instantly get pregnant when you want to, you instantly have all the money to have the dream wedding, you instantly have everything you want because you're in control and you know all the cheat codes. How long would you play your own game? Not very long. Be boring. Make a guess. A day. <laughs> a day. And then why would you stop playing the game you spent years creating and then you'd only play it a day? Because it's, you know what's going to happen. So what's the point, basically? Your inner voice, like you said in, so well in your diagram in the beginning of our first session, said that the lower part of our circle persona has those gaps that connects to all that is. Yeah. Right? So it knows the cheat codes. Sort of, or it has a connection to the all that is that is all the cheat codes or all the things, right? Mm -hmm. So it would be bored if it always knew what was happening, true or false? Yes. What would be the point of creating this full elaborate thing called Earth and the universe if you knew all the cheat codes? That wouldn't really be a point. Yeah. So what I think of to myself, my handy little analogy that helps my mind wrap an idea around this, like, what the hell, the hell, what the what? Like, what is going on here? <laughs> if my inner voice is connected to all that is, and I'm ultimately captured all that is, but all that makes this game more interesting. And even, by the way, I thought about that whole player one virtual reality game. And I was like, I would make like a lining show or the aligning goggles. And I would do like all my aligning things and go around the world to all my favorite chocolate shops and all my favorite cafes, one after the other. I could play that game maybe if I really tried hard in my old season four self, like for like two weeks and I couldn't keep doing it. 
because it would be boring. It's actually more fun to play the season four law of attraction game when there are stakes, when the negative contrast does have a possibility of happening. That challenge and difficulty, which we hate when we're in season four point of view and fear, (laughs) ultimately keeps us engaged because otherwise, if it wasn't, it wouldn't be fun. That's actually for me why I hit the wall. I hit the wall in April because I got all the things except the guy and the family. All the rest of it helped 10 million people with the downloads. I knew my mind no longer could. I was like so uninterested in being in my mind anymore or listening to anyone else's mind. So it's like I've already helped with C-School and Flow. Those are the foundations to help everyone else get to that level that I got to. And what I find most fascinating is that everybody else, I feel like I went pretty quickly through all this stuff. But what I'm finding is you didn't need two years. You needed three months. And that was enough for you. We're getting faster at this. This is getting easier to do for people. As more people do it, the energy changes. There's more people jumping out of mass consciousness into freedom. And as other people see more people accessing their own inner freedom, it's contagious, just like the fear is contagious. Both can be helpful to connect to as a human mind that likes to latch onto things. More people telling alternative stories means it's easy for you to do the same. You cling to those Alan Eckhart, Joe Dispenza stuff because it helps you do the same thing. If they're doing it and they're seeing it this way, I can do it too. If Jess is thinking this way, I can do it too. So all of this is just helping it be more normal and not as scary for the ego because it's seeing more examples. But let's go back to this whole point earlier. (laughs) The inner being is peaceful with all that is because it's connected to all that is and it realizes and knows that at all times. So anything you're going through, it's ultimately not fussed about and knows isn't permanent in who you truly are as the I am that I am, the consciousness. And so it's just playing the game, having the experiences and chilling along the way. The only reason for the inner voice to play this game is for surprise. Because how fun would it be to play The Sims and say, I want to get all of these things and I don't want to know how I'm going to get them because then I get to be surprised. And then at least I get to be in my own game, but I'm surprising myself or not really I'm surprising myself, a part of me surprising me, but at least like my consciousness doesn't know how it's going to happen, but it's going to happen some way. Something good's going to happen. I just don't know how yet. And that makes it worth getting up in the morning just to see how the surprises come to you. That's season five. And it's not even, oh, this is going to challenge the season four minds. This is me kind of getting ahead of myself in terms of what I've actually actively shared. But that inner voice, what about, forget, I mean, yes, there's conditional alignment, season four, unconditional alignment. Okay, feeling good no matter what happens. Okay, unconditional creation. It blows the human mind from season four out of the water. What if you created all that is, but you don't even want to decide what you create just so that you can be surprised? You create without deciding from the mind what it will be. What if you allow that deeper part of you to pick the creations instead of the mind? Because season four mind chooses what it wants and then tries to effort its consciousness to get it. But what if you dropped it all and stopped trying to even pick what you want That's kind of like where I've been heading as well. So this is really cool because now I have some support, I guess. But again, this is, 
I mean, like, I, I will continue to listen to your show. I love listening to your show. But then there's still more of me, like, taking from others, taking from others, taking from others. But I guess in your show, you'll be suggesting ways of doing things by yourself as well, right? Well, to me, the entire focus is getting people to look down into the answers in themselves. And you get to hear how others do that, too. And you get to have that constant reminder that it's okay and safe to do it yourself. And then we get to see how it all unfolds. But if it's aligning for you to keep listening, you listen. If it ever feels like a chore chart, you don't do it. It never does, by the way. It's really fun. So. But if it ever did, you would let it go. Can you at least have the integrity with me? Because all I want is for people to follow their inner voice. And if your inner voice ever said, you know, it's time to let go of everything, don't hold on to my show. It's not going to hurt my feelings. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know that. I do. I do. And you haven't heard much of season five yet. So you're kind of like, it's interesting because your episode will probably air a few months in. So everyone else is listening to this after they've seen a flavor of the season five version. But you're still fresh to what's unfolding. But as you go, maybe this will just keep reiterating. You get to relax and allow. You get to relax and allow. You get to keep bobbling down, keep bobbling down. That's what this show is about now. And it's only because that's where my consciousness is now. And who knows what the hell's coming next? I don't know. But now I'm getting surprised because I'm not choosing. I'm just seeing what comes and seeing what comes and seeing what comes. Every day I wake up and something new happens. We have like unfolded like six new events that we didn't foresee each day before they came. The ideas are just flowing and flowing in and flowing in. Yesterday, I had the fun of watching because I'm starting to live this way. So I just want to share this as far as you're like, what the heck am I going to do if I'm not reading and studying and meditating, right? I'm not doing those things really either, except for the tingles and the eyelid lights. Like I mentioned, I like to do those things. And anyone else that wants to can go to jesslavey.com slash meditation download. I've made a free download you can do this yourself so you can see how the tingles and staring at the eyelids work but I just wake up and get to enjoy my life now <laughs> I'm allowing myself to live that way and two days ago I was gonna go in Honolulu to a new location and stay for two weeks but they didn't show me the uh, the photos of the unit but I assumed like my friend's condo building unit it would be the same and I'd have a kitchen after three weeks in hotels without kitchens it didn't have a kitchen it just had a bed and nightstands and a dresser and no desk so I'd be coaching for like 12 hours this week on the ground and I was like wait a minute I'm doing c-school right now I've got four clients right now this is not where with no view and no real natural light this is not where I want to spend two weeks but I didn't know it until that moment so I didn't resist it but I, I didn't make a huge like hissy fit you know what I mean the ego didn't like throw a fit the contrast was there it didn't really have to overthink it or make a story about it, but it just knew this wasn't what I wanted. So I went to the Whole Foods across the street, which I was so excited to cook from all week or two weeks, and I just looked up flights. I was like, you know, there's only the story I tell that's saying I need to stay here. <laughs> so I was like, well, I don't have to do that. I don't have to tell that story. There's nothing actually keeping me here other than I bought a flight for later and I booked this place and I might not get a refund, but I don't have to stay here even with those two truths or possible realities, I still don't have to stay. So I looked up flights and then I got this idea to come to Vancouver. And then I looked up Airbnbs and I got one in an area I thought was totally destined for me. It literally had a description of the word lively in the description of the neighborhood. And I was like, are you kidding? This is perfect. I'm gonna be at this penthouse, which, cause there's only like 10 spots left in Vancouver the night before. This was the nice one, it had a big kitchen. So I was like, all right, I know I'm getting my kitchen now, right? So I take the overnight flight, land, get to this place, and the place smells like smoke. Kitchen, 
huge, beautiful, but view, awesome, penthouse, yes, but it smells like smoke, like gross. And I don't want to spend 12 hours coaching when it smells like smoke because I want to give you the best I can, which means giving myself the best experience to coach you. I mean, if I don't have that option, then fine. But the only reason I wouldn't have that option is if I tell a story that's true. Like I'm not actually incarcerated. So there's nothing, again, keeping me in that apartment. So yet again, I decide to leave. I've only done this once in an Airbnb where it's just like the unit looks nice in the pictures, but the quality of the bedding and just it was smelled gross. And I was like, I don't want to stay here. This is not even for the five days and the billion dollars it cost. I was like, no, this is so not worth it. I'd rather be somewhere else. So I found a hotel and I was like, I don't even want to be in a hotel, but at least I know I'm going to not have smoke smell. And that's right now most important for me. So I booked this other hotel I found nearby for three nights and I did just would figure out the rest as I got there. So I get here. Now I'm still seeing aligned numbers like crazy. So I'm like, all right, I'm not out of alignment, even though all these crappy things to season four, Jess, (laughs) kept seeming to be not working, right? Instead of telling season four story of like, where's the misalignment? Where's the unfolding that's the negative manifestation? I'm in season five, Jess, which is going, let's see what happens next. (laughs) didn't think I'd end up in Vancouver but let's see what happens next I have a question but finish the story first please okay all right save your question because I think it's so fun to see what happened yesterday so yesterday is the day where I've got this like reshuffling with this apartment now I have canceled two expensive places at this point so I might be many several thousands of dollars spent on places I'm not staying in (laughs) but I'm not letting it stop me because it's not actually a problem in my life. It would be a problem in many other people's lives, but it's not in mine. And so the only reason for me to make it a problem in mine is to tell someone else's story. Okay, wait, still not a problem for you. (laughs) Girl, you're teaching C-School. Like this is the time for you to have the best possible place to give the best possible service to those that are joining you. And you have abundance flowing in. Like what is stopping you? Nothing except for a story. So I didn't tell the story that would stop me. I just said, let's keep going and see what happens next. So get to this hotel. And then I go to the grocery store to pick up some apples and bananas and water. And as I go, this is like, okay, the true honest story is that I had a layover in Vancouver a few weeks ago going to Hawaii. And that's where I got the inspiration to come here again, to come back and stay. And while I was here for like two hours a few weeks ago, the real story is I have a friend, Sebastian. I met him in A-Fest last year and we're good friends and we chat with each other on WhatsApp and he's been a really great friend for me over the year. But when I was in the airport for those two hours in that layover a few weeks ago, he saw me on Bumble because we both have Bumble app. And so he's like, hey, I didn't know you were in Vancouver. I just saw you on Bumble. And I was like, oh, that's so funny. I am just for a layover. So when I got here a few weeks later, my thought was, oh, I should tell Sebastian on WhatsApp, not on Bumble, but like on WhatsApp, because he was just visiting too. He lives in Barbados, so I don't really think of him in Vancouver. I didn't know he ever came here. But once I'd had that interaction, my thoughts pinged to, oh, let Sebastian know you're here. So I sent him a little WhatsApp message and just said, hey, guess where I am? And I kind of told him the story about how this like smoky apartment didn't work out. And he said, yeah, there's like slim pickings for places with kitchens and stuff because of some bylaws in Vancouver for places. So it's tricky to find good Airbnbs here. So I went about my day, did my coaching sessions. And while I was coaching, not knowing where I was going to be the three days later, I didn't know he had friends in Vancouver, but he messaged his friend Jenna 
who lives in Vancouver and told her about my situation. Turns out she was traveling for the exact dates that I have remaining in Vancouver. And she lives in a really nice area. I was in kind of an area where a lot of drug addicts were, which is another part of it. Very friendly Canadian drug addicts. But I wasn't like scared for my life. But I also was like, this is kind of like a weird part of town (laughs) to have like so many of them so pervasively where I'm at. This next other area is a little less hipster and a little more yuppie. And I was like, okay, so a different part of town that I haven't explored that might be interesting for me. And she's like, yeah, can is $70 Canadian? Is that okay for the nights? I had just spent $3,200 on five nights in this penthouse that smells like smoke. I don't even know if I'm getting the money back, but for $70 Canadian dollars, I'm going to have a kitchen in a nice area for the exact dates I wanted to. And she was saying to me, as I talked to her about it, she's like, yeah, I was hoping to put on Airbnb, but I didn't want a random person staying here. And since your friend's a Sebastian, this is so great for me because I don't feel like I have to worry about some stranger staying in my place. So you manifested this without thinking about it. I had no idea how on earth this was gonna unfold when I bought the plate at 24 hours ahead. But what ended up unfolding is, A, the place in Hawaii that I wasn't sure about the refund only got charged for one night. Awesome. This Airbnb experience is still unfolding. And I really, truly hope that they honor the fact that I only stayed there for one hour and it wasn't nearly worth the money that it was charging for it. And I was like, it's not worth it, though. It still wasn't worth staying in, even for that amount of money, to have that misaligning experience because I was going to be in it like 24-7 for five days coaching. So... I still gave myself the best option and I hope, the and I trust, no trust, I trust the best outcome will happen. And I hope that outcome is for me to get my money back since I didn't use it. I hope that that is something that Airbnb upholds. I have nothing against the person that rents it. It just was definitely not worth it and it smelled really bad. So I would not recommend it for anyone else to stay there either. But I just am trusting that that's gonna unfold well too. But how wild is that? unfolding and how surprising and kind of adventurous and at times like it looked like things were going wrong but ultimately maybe it was going right I just as the mind didn't know what was going to happen next but it was certainly more interesting than knowing and choosing and having it all happen the way I planned in Honolulu okay so let me see if I get this straight or I'm quite interested in this way of thinking So you're saying that you did manifest it, but you didn't think about it. And this is a different way of thinking that you've been doing before, whereas before you had more of an expectation, whereas now you're completely losing control or not completely or something like that. Is that? Yeah. I mean, if season four, Jess would have tried to visual, actually, I kind of had a rough idea of what I expected that first Hawaii place to be. And I think at that point when it wasn't what I wanted, I would have thought, what did I manifest wrong? And I would have gotten upset about it and got upstream and resisted it because I would have gone, oh, my God, this is supposed to be a manifestation. And then I never let go of like, I want to really enjoy where I'm going to be. But let's see what else is possible. What else is flowing right now? Right. Based on this piece of data, as Abraham puts it, based on this contrast, what's more fun now? Based on this contrast, it was going to Vancouver's more fun. Then I got to the the Airbnb. Based on this contrast, what's more fun? A hotel. Did I want to stay in a hotel in Honolulu? Absolutely not. I just done three weeks of it. But once I got to Canada and I was like, no, I'd rather be in a hotel than here. And no other Airbnbs looked any better than where I was before. So I was like, all right, not doing the Airbnb thing here. So then I was like, fine. And I even made peace with the fact that I might go two months solidly in a hotel 
based on the plans that are coming up and what happened in Honolulu, I really had wanted a kitchen just because I'm on this weird kind of realization about foods affecting my skin and my hormones. I have to eat a lot of fruits and vegetables and I haven't been able to, this is my thing, slice an avocado. I can't do that because I don't have a knife and a plate in any of these hotels. All I want is a dishwasher and I've never wanted to cook in the three years I've been traveling. But now, since I'm so limited in the options, having a place to cook from was like a real gift. I never missed it before, but right now that's what I definitely wanted, but I never let that stop me or go upstream. So then I flowed to the hotel and guess what? This bed is like the best bed I've ever stayed in. I love this bed. Is it the kitchen? No, but I found at Equinox, it has a nice cafe in it right around the corner. And that was another one. I went to this cafe near the Equinox. It didn't have anything I could eat on the menu. It was all eggs, gluten, and dairy. And so they wouldn't even let me order the sides individually to get the avocado or salmon. So I was like, and they had donuts that looked delicious, but no gluten-free. So I was like, is there anywhere I can eat nearby? I only have 10 minutes before I met with you. And she said, you know what? Go to the Equinox around the corner. I never would have found that cafe if I hadn't gone to the first cafe that didn't have anything. But now I get to get an acai bowl tonight for dinner and I'm super pumped about it. So I keep now being surprised rather than let down or disappointed because it didn't happen the way I expected as a season four point of view. So you are more relaxed. Yes. Letting life happen to you-ish. And it is surprising the hell out of me in a really fun way. Oh, can I tell you another one? Is this interesting? I don't want to hog up all of your time. I while you were telling your story, it just made me have a, a little realization that I'd like to share with you. Yes, please. And then I would love to hear your story just while it's in my head. A few weeks ago when I was on holiday, I had a really lovely lady read my medicine cards for you, the uh, animal cards. And I don't know if you've heard about them, but each animal has like a story behind it and you can relate that story to your life in some way. And the first card I had picked up was the beaver card. And I wasn't really resonating with the beaver card at first but I feel like after listening to your story I have a deeper understanding of it because the beaver is an animal which works really hard it builds a home it uh, it likes to have this kind of base but at the same time it always leaves some room for exit so that it can escape so that it can allow the flow of the waters to go through and the way I understand that now is that whenever I feel stuck I should just exit or leave I shouldn't like keep myself in this place if I feel like I'm not going anywhere with this meditation because I'm thinking about it too much I should just escape escape exactly and just go with the flow and see what um, what else happens next so that I have a kind of renewed understanding of that card now amazing and that's so beautifully said and I think that beaver analogy can stick with so many people listening right it's like go with your path but be willing to escape don't stay stuck and drown in your own hole if I really got upstream about that Hawaii place I'd still be there or at least I'd still be in Hawaii instead of Vancouver and you wouldn't be happy (laughs) well I'm having a really unusual adventure right now Can I tell you another funny in the last 48 hours? So I'm basically watching even work stuff, which is just like a whole nother level of amazing outfolds, uh, outcomings and unfoldings. But I just want to keep it really simple. And because like, like, (laughs) 
this the stuff that's happening on the show is not going to feel as relatable to people but like let, let me tell you this other one so i've been loving going to sephora in honolulu i went to i went there like four times just trying to get the products right for my face and my skin and just having fun with it rather than fighting it so i went and i was getting a product and while i was there this lady i said you know this product i had this tinted moisturizer is kind of crappy, the formulation. And she said, yeah, they've changed it. So it's not as good anymore. Try this instead. So she gave me a sample because I kept buying all these things. And then some of them would have to return when they weren't good, i.e. the whole BB cream. So I was like, all right, cool. So I tried this cream and then it was amazing. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so much better than what I was using before. I'll buy it now that I'm in Vancouver. Great. There's a Sephora around the corner. So I go to Sephora and Nordstrom. They carry the line, Amore Pacific, but they don't have, for whatever reason, that tinted moisturizer at the stores. So then I'm like, okay. I remember walking home going, I had this fun little shopping manifestation that night. And I was like, I wonder if I, how can I manifest this specific moisturizer, I could have, if I was still in Honolulu, have bought it. So part of me could have said the story of, oh, if you hadn't left and had that terrible penthouse situation, you'd still be in Honolulu and you could have bought the moisturizer. But I was like, no, I wonder how the universe could possibly manifest this cream for me in 24 hours in Canada. So I was like, all right, how could that happen? And it wasn't like I was sitting there, you know, overly efforting this, but I was like, maybe Nordstrom can overnight it to me. I'll just pay for whatever shipping it is, but I'd really love to use this and it's making my skin clearer instead of the other stuff that was breaking me out. Okay, this is worth it. So I call and they say four to nine business days is the fastest rush shipping they can get. And I was like, well, that's not fast. I'll be in Michigan by then. So then I thought, well, maybe if I just have a friend buy it at Sephora and then overnight it to me from the US. So I go on Instagram and one of the girls I had just coached was having this like existential, like life unfolding realization after our call yesterday and was messaging me. And I was like, this is really random, but would you want to be a part of this co-creation with me? And then it started to feel a little upstream as she was like looking into shipping options and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, don't worry about it. This just seems like it's not flowing. So I let it go. And I just thought, you know what? <laughs> This isn't going to happen. But I did kind of throw up the cream on Instagram and just said, you know, I'd love to get this, but I does anyone have any tips? Just kind of getting outside the box ideas from other people. Turns out I get a message from a girl in Honolulu walking by the Sephora that I was at when I got the sample 24 hours before. And she says, Jess, I'm from Vancouver. I'm flying home tomorrow. I'm at the Sephora right now. Would you like me to get it for you? Are you kidding? Someone's going to hand deliver me from Honolulu at the same exact store. This isn't someone in San Diego flying to Vancouver. This is someone in Honolulu near the store I got the sample at. Like, I know it's still there because they had it there. And I was just there the day before. She's coming to Vancouver, her home that day. What a wild manifestation and more fun way than just ordering it on Nordstrom.com. But it took five little stepping stones for that part of the manifestation to happen. And because I wasn't in season four, Jess, that was like, ah, oh, look at all this upstreamness. Look at all this bad manifestation. Oh my gosh, what's going on? I'm not meant to have it. I was just like, all right, all right, all right. I wasn't, the mind's not nearly as involved anymore. So there's not as nearly as much resistance and it's just more curious about the surprises. And out of that, I'm not getting upstream. It's actually all downstream if I just allowed it to be, but season four, Jess had a harder time letting that be enough. And what is the difference between season four and season five, Jess? As in, why do you now feel less resistance? Is it because you've seen good things come out? Because the mind is not responsible for the manifesting. 
how did you get to the point where you're like, okay, mind, we're just going to let go? I had the same frustration you were feeling in our first session together. Just exhausted, basically. Exhausted. I cannot do this any longer. Just like people feel exhausted by effort. So a lot of people get to that exhaustion with effort. I can't effort any longer. I've got adrenal fatigue. I need a break, vacation from my vacation. They get to that point and then they get into what they think is the easy road, which it is far easier than effort. But then they start efforting their consciousness and they don't realize it's still effort. And as long as it feels aligning to do that effort, there's nothing wrong with season four. My God, if the whole universe or a human planet got to season four point of view in their lives and stopped being victims of other people and they started to realize that their alignment and their inner being has some guidance for them and that they'd start to really honor the, the feelings within themselves, that would be great. But the cool thing is, just because I'm at this stage now doesn't mean season six Jess isn't going to have a new point of view that's even beyond where I'm at now. It's never going to be done in the ultimate sense. It's never, it's eternal. This is always evolving and unfolding. This is just where we are now. And this version of me doesn't see what my mind would call bad as a reason to stop. It just doesn't judge so much. And it doesn't take credit so much. The mind wants to decide how it happened. So it knows it did it. Aha, uh -huh, yeah. So you would say, like your previous season four self would say, I manifested that. I, oh, and you still say that now, but now it's more of a surprise, right? But it's like more to me and through me. It's like, it's like, what do you got in mind for me? I had no freaking clue. And I was always allowing and accepting what was. Like, was I thrilled to be in this hotel yesterday? I mean, compared to the smoke I was, but it wasn't like, oh, now I'm in a kitchen, you know, but I didn't let that get me out of alignment. I guess I'm getting better at the unconditional alignment factor, but really also I'm not nearly so specific about what the creations or manifestations need to be. And in terms of my career, especially I'm more unconditionally creating like what wants to come through right now is what shows up. With my places, I just know I really want to enjoy where I'm at. Like I do know that and I'm just making the best moment decision or thing that feels most fun in the moment and I'm never not doing what's aligning. Does that make sense? So it's not like season five, Jess has thrown alignment out the window. No, no, no. But now I just don't plan what the future alignment needs to be. I'm just in this moment, in this moment, in this moment, picking the best thing that feels right right now. And if anything ever feels upstream, I let it go very quickly. Where old season four, Jess would be like, no, I need to pick what I want to manifest. Now I don't pick so much. I just know I want to be somewhere I like and it'd be nice to slice an avocado. This makes a lot a lot a lot of sense because I feel like this is where I'm leading to but my mind says but what about the future as in okay so I feel okay I'll give you just a quick backstory so I have a, a skin condition called vitiligo and it covers my body right and so when I started on this journey my intention was to transform my mindset about the the condition but also to get rid of it so I did RTT and I've been listening to Joe Dispenza's meditations because I think or well, I was thinking that with my mind I can remove uh, vitiligo from my skin but now I've got I've been getting to this stage over the last few days where I don't really care whether or not it's there or not 
But then there's a part of me saying, but okay, hey, wait, I on. have an answer you for you right here. Not you know what's hilarious still, right? about you that is I felt the same way about my okay, skin and my okay. period issues because I skipped a period out of the blue now that I finally got one regulated and my skin got really bad in Maui. And I was like, oh my gosh, like what's going on? This is worse than it's been in a really long time. I just, and then I was like, you know what? Beauty is a big thing I love. I really appreciate it. And as a designer and just in general, and, and like, let alone like my face not having giant cystic acne on it. But I, I was like, you know what? Well, beauty is a feeling. Like I love the feeling of when things are beautiful. So I'm just gonna choose to feel that feeling anyways. And I kind of made a piece that you're describing. And guess what? Once I did that, I then decided instead of rubbing baking soda on my face, like my friend had suggested, I thought that doesn't feel beautiful. <laughs> I was like, rubbing baking soda feels like harsh. So then I found because of that friend's suggestion, I kind of flowed into Googling that on YouTube. And then I found honey masks and I was like, well, that feels more beautiful. Like if I have beautiful skin, I could put honey on my skin to make it more beautiful. But if I had a beautiful skin, I wouldn't put baking soda on my skin. And so it was this weird kind of feeling of leaning towards like what would feel beautiful. And it was more pleasure, kind of the honey. So anyways, I share this on Instagram. Then I get a message from someone because I finally shared about skin again, because I hadn't been sharing about it, not trying to resist it season four style. But I finally was like, you know what, whatever, I'm just going to share it. Someone tells me about the medical medium podcast. And I look it up and he's talking about PCOS and acne. And I can't say for everyone, everyone's inner being is going to tell them what they need to do and focus on. But my own inner being told me months before I found it, about medical medium, to eat more fruit and to put vinegar on my face. And I was like, that's weird. I never asked such practical questions in my inner voice before. And I didn't even follow its advice for very long. But anyways, turns out the medical medium, his own channeling, says the same thing. How wonderful fruit is for PCOS and acne. And the, literally the same fruits my inner voice had said. I was like, oh my God, like what? And then I looked into it. He says it's related to Epstein-Barr and strep. Well, I don't know about Epstein-Barr in my own past life, but I can tell you I had strep so much my tonsils were out. So were my brothers and they had Accutane and all this stuff. So anyways, what was interesting is once I had peace about it and I had no resistance, one thing led to another in a way I didn't expect to get to this chant, this episode of this podcast, which happens to resonate with my own inner being on the subject for myself. So my point isn't to like say everyone else that has strep or, or acne has strep or any of that stuff. Everyone's inner voice will guide them to what's right for them. But either way, he also talks about vitiligo on his show. He has a whole episode on it. And I would recommend you at least go listen if it feels aligning and fun to do so and then write to your inner voice about whatever he suggests and find out if it rings true for your inner voice but it's just hilariously similar how you came to peace about it and then happened to mention it to me and just like myself I came to peace about it and then I happened to get that recommendation does it mean that your inner being couldn't heal this no, it doesn't. It does. Like you could do it the Joe Dispenza way, but what that means is it's your inflammation response, your uh, immune system is up and strong enough to overcome the things that might actually be part of what's creating it in the first place. So when we get misaligned and stressed or we have all these emotions that like at the Joe Dispenza season four level that we stress out about and we think, oh my God, we're making ourselves sick, another added potential reality that might be at play here are things like bacteria and viruses that may be well that are ultimately in our bodies regulated through the immune system 
which is controlled by the mind. So as the immune system gets stronger, those meditations may be boosting that if there is these factors at play, right? So interesting. But also you could potentially, if it rings true for you, try some of the processes he suggests, and it's mostly about eating um, antibacterial and antiviral foods to help support that immune system along with the acceptance you've already created. How does that feel? <laughs> it feels it feels good that like I'm not doing something bad by giving up on <clears throat> this future self that I was trying to work towards. Excuse me, <clears throat> by doing some of these meditations and mind practices and whatever, and to just settle in the way I'm feeling right now, which is really so much better than before. I mean, I could never imagine that within such a short amount of time that I would come to peace with the skin condition and various other things that I could just like walk out on the street, whereas even just four months ago, it would petrify me. So it happened so quickly. And I think that's why I'm a bit scared because I just didn't expect it. But yeah, it's really good. And also, I'm really happy you told me that this person was speaking about it because I'm super curious to see what they have to say, because I've also been reading about different kinds of food relating to it. So I wonder if they'll be talking about the same thing. So... Yeah. And so see what you did? You made peace with it, which is at the level of it not being there. And then you got a new solution. Because you're not resisting it anymore, this was what unfolded next for you. It's not that you needed to try harder. It's that you needed to resist less. And this is what Abraham's trying to get every human that sits in that hot seat to do. But what they're doing, and this is where I'm kind of maybe pivoting a bit, It's not that everything they say isn't true. It is. And they're trying to get everyone to release resistance. And none of their process at the core ever needs to involve thinking. It's all vibration and feeling for them. But then they get people they get sitting in the chair are thinking all the time. So they try to help them ease the thinking that's causing so much problem. But they're using the method of thinking. I'm using a slightly different tangent with you, right? I'm using like drop the thinking so much. Like just get to that unconditional creation if that other phase is no longer feeling aligning. And you did, and this is what's unfolding for you next, and we'll see. But it's not that the mind needed to create this outcome or solution. You just needed to drop the mind's involvement at all and accept what is, which is the ultimate teaching of Eckhart, as an example, or a lot of those spiritual teachers we started with in our first part of our episode. So it's kind of like doing season four to a better level than we actually were doing season four. But really, it's kind of coming into a whole new realm of possibility where it includes unconditional creation as well as releasing just resistance. Yeah, it's not even choosing. It's just allowing kind of the deeper part of us to say, it's just allowing, just allowing, just allowing, just allowing. But you that doesn't mean you don't make choices. Like I still chose to leave the Airbnb. I didn't stay stuck in the smoke. You know, I still chose to fly overnight to Vancouver. I still chose to call that Jenna girl. You know, I still made choices. I still chose to post the Instagram post about the moisturizer. I still made choices, but none of them stopped me when they didn't work out. And what I think the season four version of you like starts to go, oh, I failed at the manifestation because it didn't work out the way the mind expected. I don't have any outcome that it really ultimately needs to work out to. 
like would it have been fun if i got the moisturizer in 24 hours uh, yeah but did it feel bad or like a failure if i didn't no i just thought wouldn't that be fun i mean i've had such a great run with this today i wonder if i could do that too and then I let it go. Like I didn't force that girl that wasn't the right person to send it to me. I think it's more fun to get the hand delivered moisturizer from Honolulu than to get the girl in LA that like couldn't really conveniently get it to send it with the Labor Day weekend. Like the shipping was gonna be delayed in so many different ways. It was so upstream, but I didn't force that or my friend Ashley with a young baby to go get it. Like I was really running through all my friends. I'm like, who can just drop everything and go get this? Well, the girl that was walking by the store happened to be the one that was not inconvenienced at all. Feels very liberating. <laughs> it's really fun because you just get to be surprised every day. But if I got the story, oh my gosh, this restaurant doesn't have anything I can eat in it. <laughs> I should be upset and storm out instead of going, do you have any suggestions on somewhere I can eat? She says, oh yeah, around the corner, next door. I just, like, it was around the building. I wouldn't have ever found it because it's not a direction I've gone before. So how do you feel about just being surprised all the time? I feel good. Like, it just feels like a lot more easy flowing approach to life and I was just about to say I'm gonna work on trying to think that I deserve it but no I'm not gonna work on anything I just want to let it all in basically because it, it's it's already starting to come in this kind of unconditional way of thinking but it, I need to stop thinking about it you want to think about it a little less and you can breathe and smile at your human mind when it does it more and you get to laugh at yourself just like I did on that plane flight afterwards. And I was like, this human's going to get enlightened at some point. <laughs> I was like, she's got a ways to go. And then I laughed at it. And I just thought, what a relief to not feel like that mind has to do the work to make that possible. I'm really excited to see season five now. <laughs> what a gift. What a gift for that human to not have to do that. It's just happening slowly. And maybe at some point really quickly. You know, it, it comes back to the initial block that my mind had, which was letting go of control. And that's basically what it wants to do, let go of control. Well, let me just end on this thought. What the ego calls control and fear of uncertainty, the inner being, inner voice calls a surprise and the reason for being here in the game that you created. Wow, that's... I'm really excited to start tomorrow. <laughs> there you go. You feel aligned again, but now you're aligned with uncertainty. But it's not uncertainty. That's just the ego's word for surprise and delight. Yeah, yeah. I'm so happy for you. Yeah, this show has really unfolded in a way I didn't expect. But, you know, my inner being told me to because I wanted to somehow connect with you, but I wasn't sure about uh, flow of intention or anything like that. Yeah, I was waiting, waiting, waiting. But then when... You said you were doing these personal sessions. I uh, saw that some other girls had got a session. I thought, oh, that's really cool. I would love to do that. And then you posted an Instagram post about it. And I somehow managed to book one. I thought that they would go really quickly. I'm sure they do. So I feel very happy that I did do this because I was following my inner being. And I feel like what I feel now is just really <laughs> amazing. So I'm really happy. So this is an example of following the inner being and feeling really good about it. So. Wonderful. And I thank you so much for sharing. This has been a really fun journey to have with you. And it's different than anyone else's journey. Like all these one-on-one -on -one sessions that are becoming episodes, 
ultimately have this theme of like bobblehead down, <laughs> tap, tap, tap on the shoulder, like stop, stop thinking so much, go bobble your head down and see what it says. But at the same time, the content that's coming up, and I think it's been fun to share all these things that have just unfolded for me so quickly and so recently to give you an insight or like kind of an example of what a surprise filled life looks like. So you kind of have something to look forward to without having to overthink. Like I actually was thinking, man, this episode should be about you and like everything you're going to do. But that would have just been us projecting into your future season four style about what it was going to look like versus me just telling you about a bunch of surprises I couldn't have prepared for. I think that's actually more helpful than you having what you would quote unquote call a clear idea of what's going to happen next because that goes against surprise. Just go see what surprises you and let's go find out. That's all. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, exactly. Just knowing that it's possible, like hearing your stories. Yeah, just knowing it's possible to have a lot of fun. Okay, I'm really excited. (laughs) I can't wait to sleep and wake up. Yeah, and go check out that medical medium if it resonates for you. And if it doesn't, let it go. By all means, like your inner voice is the guide for you, not his guide. (laughs) But if it resonates, it may add an extra layer of understanding to a situation that you ultimately made peace about. And that's why I think it's interesting that it may be this point of view coming to you now because of the peace you had previous. It's not like this needs to change you, but it may actually meet the same unfolding frequency of peace. So I love it. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Oh, thank you. Really, 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 really. Thank you so much. Like, You know, I wouldn't really be on this journey if I didn't flow to your show anyway. So thank you so much. And there you have it. Thank you so much for listening. And Yasmin, thank you for coming on the show. If you want to find me on Instagram, Snapchat, or Twitter, you can find me at Jess C, as in Carrera Marble Lively. And for show notes for this episode, head over to JessLively.com slash Yasmin Park. That's Y-A-S-M-I-N-P-A-R-K-E. And now for where I'm headed to next, I'm staying here in Sydney for the next few weeks, seeing what flows, what flows, what flows, and waiting, waiting, waiting for clarity on what is going to happen next with this unfolding. Until next week, may something wonderful happen to you today. Today.